Here we go! Welcome to the Nintendo Power Zone. We are a video cast slash podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Nintendo-related topics. As always, I'm your host, Nice1983, and today I am joined by Blues. Hey, man. Welcome to the show. How you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling really good. It's been a good, good sort of week so far in terms of the whole holiday hubbub going on. Um, and uh, I'm super excited for this episode. It's a big episode. Oh, most definitely going to be a big one. Oh, so guys, normally we get this year in review out before Christmas this year. We decided we we're going to wait till after Christmas, but before New Year's, so you guys have a good New Year's Eve, uh, you know, gift. But for right now, we're going to talk about an amazing, amazing year that Nintendo had. I would like to welcome everyone to our third annual year review. And I cannot believe that this is the third year review that I'm doing on this podcast. And I couldn't be happier that this year has been so freaking phenomenal. There was so much Nintendo hype this year that I'm actually not sure we're going to be able to cover everything that the way that we normally do. But I think we're going to be able to get a lot of this stuff done. Uh, this is going to be a two-part episode, so I hope everybody is looking forward to having two episodes to listen to. Uh, so basically what we're going to do is we're going to do the first six months, and then that's what we're going to do in one episode, and then the second six months in the second part. So big episode. So what we're going to do is we're just going to go ahead and we're going to skip the Nintendo News Report. So we're going to just go ahead and jump right in. But before we do that, how was your Christmas, man? Um, it, it was a weirder Christmas this year. Um, I think it's the first Christmas where everyone's sort of been moved out from, from my old home. So we're all sort of going, figuring out, all right, who's going to whose house when. Um, but it was it was a fun, good time nonetheless. Um, interesting story. I, I ended up. In, uninstalling an old faucet and sink basin and drain pipe and installing a new one in my mom's place. And I have no plumbing experience whatsoever. And so, and it has no leaks, which I'm very happy about. So I know that was going to be an issue. But I am successfully um, a tr- plumber in training, I guess you can call me now, which is super cool. <laughs> nice. Any Nintendo-related gifts for the holidays? Um, I got, I got um, Monster Hunter Stories for 3DS, and I got Skyrim for the Switch. And that's oh, about nice, it. Nice. Stuff. I mean, I mostly just asked for things for the apartment. Like, I got, I got some nice light bulbs, <laughs> which, which were duly needed. Um, light bulbs are very important this year. Um, I got an end table, um, etc. You know, we nerded out this year. We, uh, we got some Nintendo themed fixtures for the apartment. Um, mm-hmm. As you can see right here in the background, we got this, uh, lamp? lamp from uh, ThinkGeek. Mm-hmm. Video is coming soon on that, guys. We're going to do a review for that. And I was actually going to say, that's super cool lamp. I just noticed yeah, that. We actually got two of them. Yeah. Uh, we got one on the other side of the other room. Hmm. We got a couple of these lamps, and then we've got a third lamp that uh, is looking like – it's a question block. And uh, you pull the, the drawstring. You pull the and chain, it, and it lights up. Oh, it's super yeah. cool. Uh-huh. And the, the, the figure on the chain is Mario, so it looks, it looks pretty cool. Uh, outside of that, cool, yeah. I got a couple – I got a couple of video game related books, like uh, the Super Mario 3 book and the Final Fantasy 5 book by Chris Kohler. Uh, these are from Boss Fight Books. I've read uh, a few of Chris Kohler's books before. They are hmm. really good. Uh, not a lot of books on you know video game development, especially Japanese video game development. Yes. So they're really, really good reads. All right, so I all suggest right. everybody go to your local Books A Million. They have them there. Hmm. Very cool. It was a very Nintendo-filled Christmas. I got a set of Legos that build... Well, they're not... They're like bootleg Legos, but they build like a... 
cheapy version of Mario, which are pretty cool. I'm going to go ahead and put those together this week. But yeah, been an eventful Christmas. Uh, second Christmas with my, uh, with my niece. She's one. Uh, she was born last July, so this is her second Christmas. And I got her a Build-A-Bear Yoshi. Uh, she loves it, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, Christmas was good this year. And uh, hopefully New Year's is going to be even better. But uh, speaking of New Year's, when Nintendo started off this year, back in January, they hit us hard. So January 13th, 2017, was the Nintendo Switch event. And this this was a weird thing because it was like a cross between, you know, one of their old E3 shows, but with, you know, with like the the sensibilities of their more recent Nintendo Directs. Uh, but very cool. A lot of awesome news that got unpacked there. Uh, and we got our first like look at what the system could do, what it could handle. A uh, couple of things that stood out to me uh, from the uh, the Nintendo Switch event were the the Joy Cons. Uh, we didn't know how they would work initially when they showed us that, that trailer back in October of 2016, but we got a good look at the Joy Cons. They told us about HD Rumble. That we got to see a lot of cool stuff that these things could do. Uh, and I was on board. I know a lot of people were skeptical, but I was legitimately thinking, "Is like, holy crap, motion controls without a sensor bar. This is one of those things where I was like, I love the Wii, but the sensor bar and the setup of a Wii is so tedious. Like, so tedious. To think that we could do some motion-based games and not have, you know, the sensor bar for, like, you know, minor point sensations, I thought that was really cool. Uh... The HD Rumble, I, I wasn't really sold on HD Rumble, but not because of the reasons that everybody else wasn't. Uh, I'm not sold on Rumble because I keep wondering, is like, do we still need Rumble in 2017? Like, does that really change a game for people? Like, I mean, I, I get it that it might change some games, but it's like one of those things was like, I barely noticed the Rumble features in games. Uh, but HD Rumble made me a believer uh, once I got my hands on it, but... Initially, when I when they talked about it, I wasn't on board with it. Uh, another thing I wasn't on board with initially was arms. Uh, when they showed that arms trailer in that uh, Switch presentation, I was like, what is this? Why are you doing a boxing game and it's not Punch-Out? That was, that was my reaction. I was like, why isn't this Punch-Out? Like, well, Little Mac's going to be a guest character at the very least, right? No. Still, I thought it was a weird, weird game uh, to show off. I was actually, I, I thought more of 1-2-Switch than I thought of ARMS at the time. That's, like, how little I thought of ARMS, because I was like, what, it, what, what is this game? Uh, lo and behold, I have to eat my words, because ARMS is, like, one of my favorite games in 2017. But I, the way they showed it off, the way they showed it off, just, it, it wasn't all that appealing to me. Um... What else got revealed at that? Uh, at that there was the initial point? games list in Breath of the Wild, right? Yes. Oh, and Splatoon two. That's yes. where they confirmed that they, that it was actually Splatoon two, and not and a rehash. Not, yeah, like not Splatoon one point five, like it was reported by uh, Laura Kate Dale, or I don't remember. I think it was Laura Kate Dale who reported that mm. it was Splatoon one point five. Expanded. 1. Yeah. 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 But it was an official, you know. Uh, release in the uh, you know Spl Splatoon chronology, so yes. I thought that was cool. We we saw a lot. We saw Project Octopath Traveler for the first time. Saw a couple Dragon uh, 
Dragon, Dragon Quest, Quest game. games, yeah. Um, Fire Emblems uh, had a trailer for the yeah, Fire Emblem Warriors. Warriors, and then they announced that an actual Fire Emblem game was going to be coming to the Switch. So we saw mm -hmm. and we heard a lot. Uh, then there was the whole EA debacle. Uh, where they oh, had yeah, the FIFA. They, yeah, they, they brought that president out to say, we're supporting the Nintendo Switch, and yeah, you're supporting the game with FIFA. Not the best. Like, right off the bat, right when they said FIFA, I know that the temperature uh, for EA's support for the Wii U was going to be very lukewarm. Um, everybody thought so, and, you know, as we get on later in this year in review, we're going to talk a little bit more about EA and, you know, how they truly are supporting the Switch in 2017 and beyond. Um, yeah. But it was a good event. But I think they, they, the thing that we were all waiting for uh, in this uh, January Switch event was them talking about Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. And boy, did they drag us along. They really made us wait. Like, I mean, there were so many good things they did in this event. They started by telling us a price point. That was a great way to start because mm -hmm. I don't think anybody was too disappointed with where the price point was. I think initial reports were that it was going to be 250 bucks. I wasn't on board with that. I was like, there's no way they're going to release a hybrid console for 200 bucks. 300 yeah, 350 was where I thought we would really land. But they announced the price of 300 I was like, that's fair. That's a good price for a system that is going to do the things that this thing is supposed to do since we really didn't know if any of this stuff was truly going to work back then. Hmm. And, uh, but yeah, there was a lot of, like, weird stuff in between, especially, like, the Suda 51 things. But we finally get to the end, and they start teasing us. When is, they show us this, Beautiful Breath of the Wild trailer. Yeah. The best Breath of the Wild trailer that they had done up to that point. Definitely. And then they finally dropped the release date, uh, March 3rd, 2017, launch title for the Switch. Day one Switch title. Mm -hmm. I freaked out. I know I had. I was like, oh my god, this was worth it. Especially considering that this event started at 11 p.m. on a Thursday, which, I mean, I'm up. And I'm not doing anything better with my time. Because I, you know, I'm not a big sleeper, but still, they were asking for a lot for you know the majority of people on the East Coast. They were like, "Yeah, we're gonna do this at you know 11 p.m. and it's about an hour long. Hope you guys can ride with us." So yeah, they showed off that trailer. They showed off that release date. The world collectively freaked out. I immediately went to GameStop right after the event to go pre-order a Switch. Camped out all night with a bunch of other people. Pre-order my Switch the, the next morning when the store opened. That's how hype I was after seeing that Breath of the Wild trailer. I was more hype after the Breath of the Wild trailer than everything they showed off during the entire, you know, Switch event. And there was, like I said, there was a lot of stuff to be hyped out about. Yes. But that was what got me. I'm like, I'm at the store. It wasn't like I wasn't going to try to get a Switch day one anyway, but I secured yeah, a pre-order. I'm not a pre-order guy. I'm not a pre-order guy. So, like, for that to, for them to, like, Make me go out and get a pre-order. That's a big deal. But uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, the Switch event, Brendan? Um, I I was. It made me more skeptical about the system itself than the initial um October trailer. The October trailer really got me excited. Um, and I don't know why it didn't get me quite as excited. I learned more, which got me more at peace with certain things. Okay, it's going to cost. 
$299.99, that's fine. Release date, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's cool. And that put me at ease a bit more about this, like what we're expecting from some of it. But then learning about the Joy-Cons. I was super excited about the Joy-Cons in the October trailer. And then I wasn't as much after the whole Ice Cubes thing they showed. I don't know. I don't know why. But then after, after playing Breath of the Wild with the Joy-Cons, I'm like, okay, no, Joy-Cons are my new favorite way to play games. Because it's like not being tethered to the controllers, like, right here in front of you is great you can have like one arm at your side one above your head one underneath your leg still play the game and it, it, it just feels really great to not have to have your both hands centered around a controller that can't be separated i, I guess well, and that's or you could do what koizumi saw you could do what koizumi saw was doing he's just laying on the couch just like oh mm -hmm. sprawled out that's that's, that's a, a good way to play for me <laughs> in all honesty um, yeah, I rarely play with the Joy-Con separated. Uh, it just feels weird to me. But I'm, yeah, I'm an old gamer at this point. Um, but I, I, I go for Pro Controller in all honesty. But I love, I love the Joy-Con separated. Honestly, my preferred control scheme is in the grip. Uh, I, hmm. And that was a weird, the weirdest controller setup I thought there would be out of all of them was the Joy-Con in the grip. It's actually my favorite. Uh, not for certain games like Splatoon Two. It's it's not my ideal way to play, mm -hmm. uh, just because of the the analog sticks that the Joy Cons have. But yeah. I played ninety percent of Breath of the Wild using the Joy Con grip. Like I had my Pro Controller there; it was just sitting in the box. <laughs> I was just too busy playing with the Joy Con grips because they just feel like they felt natural. They felt comfortable. Um, so I really enjoyed that. So yeah, the January Switch event it it was hype in my opinion, but I mean, it got everybody's attention in all the right ways. I think there were some misses, though. Like, there were a lot of, like, points where I think they thought there would be better reception uh, to things that they were announcing, um, especially, like, Suda51. When he's saying he wants to bring Travis Touchdown back, but he's doing it when all these weird references. And even the poor translator had, like, issues trying to, like, translate what he was saying. So it makes me wonder, yeah. like... If Suda was actually being slightly inappropriate, that's why the guy was like stumbling on his words. Uh, I know there are transcripts of it, but I'm not gonna sit there and read the transcripts of of uh, what Suda was saying. I mean, obviously later on we learned what Suda was talking about, and we'll get to that later. But yeah, January was a pretty, you know, it was you know they wrapped it up, and that was it. There was then the next day they had like that. That event at the Nintendo New York store where a bunch of people got to play the games and they showed off a bunch of games uh, with a treehouse event. That mm -hmm. was cool. I pretty much sat there watching like all eight hours of coverage that they did for the treehouse event. Mm -hmm. uh, they got we saw Breath of the Wild, we saw Arms, we saw Splatoon two, we saw a lot of games in action at the event the next day. Uh, but that was it. There wasn't a whole lot more to be said until you know they wanted to release the Switch in March. So, that left the rest of January feeling pretty bare, and if you were a Wii U owner, there were no major games for you. Uh, like, the Wii Not U really was pretty... Not. Yeah, the Wii U pretty much died with uh, Paper Mario... Uh, Sticker... Or not Sticker Star. Paper, Color Splash. Color Splash, yeah. Color Splash. That was pretty much it. After Color Splash, you had nothing to look forward to as a Wii U owner. So, we just had to sit there patiently and, you know, deal with, you know, the two-and-a-half-month wait for the release of the Switch. But that's two and a half months from now. Let's go ahead and slide into February real quick. So February was a little bit an event of an eventful month. Uh, 
the Castlevania Netflix series got announced. Uh, this is a this is a weird thing. Uh, Konami Konami is in this very weird place right now. Definitely, where you know they've kind of spurned uh, Hideo Kojima. He's gone. He's mm-hmm. he's out working for Sony, uh, making uh, Death Stranding, mm-hmm. and they want to focus, you know, on mobile IPs. And I, I don't know what to say about, you know, what they're doing in the realm of video games. Uh, so it was really odd to see them take a franchise and find a way to mass mass market it in a sense. So they, they did the deal with Netflix. They announced a Castlevania series. Um, this got me hyped because I'm a huge old school Castlevania fan. I'm a huge fan of like just the Metroidvania Vania style genre. of gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that always makes me happy. Uh, and it was going to be interesting to see, you know, characters from the Castlevania series worked into a TV show. I mean, these are these are larger than life characters. I mean, the Belmont, when I think yeah, of, sure. you know, Belmont, you know, especially Simon, you know. Simon Belmont is a you know a character near and dear to my heart, so it was really interesting to think that Wilson there was a possibility. Trevor starved the, of the yeah. Netflix show, yeah, yeah. But upon the announcement, I was thinking that they're gonna go with Simon because Simon is the most popular. Yeah, you know, Simon's the iconic one. Yeah, yeah. It was it was odd that they actually went and you know told Trevor's story you know mm-hmm. in the actual series itself. Yeah, I but, guess it makes sense in, in a theory, though. So. Mm. I, I think it's because we expected them to, to do the Simon story that it was they threw us for a loop by not doing. But it was cool that mm-hmm. they announced the series. I thought this was an interesting announcement, and um, I was definitely looked forward to it. <sighs> Moving on, though, so Nintendo in an, you know they're trying to do their their thing on on the mobile front. They want to make as many mobile games as they can because it's it's a lucrative business for them. It, you know, Mario, uh, Super Mario Run got released back in December of 2016 for iOS, mm-hmm. and it did it did pretty good for them. But it it was under their their bar. Like they made like three million dollars off of the game or something, like thirty million dollars off of the game. They were charging ten dollars a pop for it. Yeah. So they you know, they did three million downloads. That's you know thirty million dollars, and then you split that cost with Apple since they take like fifty percent or whatever. Yeah, you know, the, it did it did fair, but it was under what they thought it would do. Uh, I think it was has something to do with you know the price point. Obviously, ten dollars. Yeah, ten dollars is a bit much for a mobile game. game. Yeah. So so what they decided to do was try their hand at a a free to play model, and they did that with uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. Uh, that got released on February second. That was a pretty big, big release for them. Like that is their most profitable mobile game to date. Yes, uh, and and they had a direct for it and everything. Like they literally had a Fire Emblem direct, and mm-hmm. in that direct they talked about what the game was. Then they had the the voting to vote for your Gauntlet, the voting yeah. system where you vote for your heroes and whoever would you know win would make it into the game. Mm-hmm. So they so they incorporated user activity. Uh, even before the release of the game, and you know, during the release of the game, they they were able to just really capitalize on a lot of hype for the franchise. Nice. I personally am not a huge fan of this game. Um, Fire Emblem games have really good stories, and you know, they they're really character driven. Fire Emblem Heroes is more like Fire Emblem Light, in my opinion. Uh, they 
they have the most minimalistic of stories. It's basically fight this guy, try to recruit him to your team. And that's pretty much the crux of the game. I, I, I'm, I've dropped off the game, but for that first like month and a half uh, that it was released, I got really into it, but then got bored with it like after, after a while. I mean, what are your thoughts on the Fire Emblem Heroes? So I, I was a big fan of Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn. I was a big fan of Sacred, Sacred Stones and um, still another one on the Game Boy that I'm forgetting. Um, which sounds bad. I should have looked it up first. But so, so, but I, I really didn't like Awakening, and I don't know why. I really didn't like Awakening, and I didn't like Fates. I haven't even bothered with, um, with Echoes, even though I know it's like supposed to be like the older ones. I just, I just don't want to take risks with the new Fire Emblem games anymore. But like, it does. You're right. It's not very story heavy or character driven, and it's not. It feels very Fire Emblem liked. But I almost like it more than what they're putting out for the mainstream Fire Emblem games currently. Because I, I feel like the, the it's a quick play, like, just do a little map, take out all the enemies of the small map, with not much, like, not too much thinking. You're only really talking about, like, stats and weapon triangles. You're not doing much in the way of, like, too many items or anything. And so it's a, it, I feel like the touch screen to control is very, very nice. And so I almost like it more in this sense than I do on the mainstream current ones. And it's a very fun to play as a quick pickup play, then get some orbs to redeem some stuff, and then put it down for a couple hours, have some free time, do a couple more maps, etc. And yeah. I really like it more than the actual Fire Emblem games at this point. I don't know. It's weird. For me, it's because of the, the major lack of story, it, it doesn't appeal to me as much as I, I kind of want it to. I will say this. I love the sprite work on the game. Mm -hmm. Uh some phenomenal Fire Emblem sprites, and then the full character art is some of the best character art that we've seen in the series thus far. Like I will also that, agree, yes. Yeah, that part of the game, I think they got 100% right. I wouldn't mind a Fire Emblem game, you know, that looks like that on either the Switch or the 3DS. If they look like no. that, I'm completely on board because Same. I, th I think the art style works great for Fire Emblem. I think my major issue is, is that I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of um, story behind the game, no, and it kind of makes it kind of makes sense though because it's you know it's a mobile experience. It's I mean, mobile, non-canon, every hero from everywhere into exactly. one. Exactly. Exactly. So they don't have to work too hard on the story. They they can kind of get by on the uh, on the love that people have for the mm -hmm. franchise with this game. But there also is uh, a story mode, which is interesting take in a story where it's like we got the people that can turn the gate on people that can turn the gate off and they're warring which i thought was an interesting take um but it's a story in the last yeah it was it was it wasn't a bad game it's just mm -hmm. it's not necessarily my cup of tea i'm like i especially after you know uh fire emblem fates which is such a you know big big game and the story in that game while it has its cliche moments it it is like a fully fleshed out you know story yeah so to cap things off in february there was one pretty big announcement from uh nintendo uh and this one kind of drew a little bit of ire and i mean some people were happy about it a lot of people weren't uh breath of the wild dlc was announced a season pass was announced a month before the game launched mm -hmm. and uh they didn't tell us much about it. They just said it was coming, and you know it would be out after the game at some point. 
no definitive release dates on the season pass. Nothing like no major like news on what it would include. Uh, so it was really kind of off-putting, especially uh, for me. I'm a huge fan of the Legend of Zelda series, and to see that there was going to be extra content or content that just didn't fit into the game initially made me think that you know, all after all the time you guys took to develop this game, did you not release a finished product? That was that's that was going on in the back of my mind, but I never really outright voiced those opinions, but it was something that I thought about. Um just a weird way to announce DLC. Uh, especially since they didn't sh- they didn't show any footage. They didn't sh- show anything. They didn't tell us what it was. Wow. So t- it was just an odd choice. I, maybe they should have waited to the release of the game before making that kind of judgment. Uh, but still, it was announced. Uh, they told us it was coming. And it, it was just really, really weird. Like I said, I was really skeptical of it. I was like, what is this? Um, why would you announce it and not show off anything? It, it just left a sour taste in my mouth mm-hmm. uh, on a game that I had been anticipating you know, since twenty, I think twenty thirteen or fourteen, when they first showed that game off at E three, like you have well, me wasn't it hyped for this like game. Twenty twelve. Like, uh, I think that's when they com- that's when they confirmed it. They didn't show anything off until I, I believe the twenty thirteen E three. Yeah, I believe so. And then you know they derailed the hype train a little bit by announcing this DLC. That's that's how yeah. I felt initially. Um, but yeah, February wrapped up. February was a slower month, but there were some still big news releases in that month. So it, it was just Nintendo building like a slow hype train. Is mm-hmm. you know they started with the January event, you know that got the train chugging, chugging along. February, you know, we're still building up, st- you know, picking up some steam. But March third, twenty seventeen, I go to GameStop, ten o'clock, just camp out with a bunch of other Nintendo fans. Mm -hmm. GameStop was really on point, at least my local GameStop. They had two separate lines, one line for pre-orders, one line for, you know, people who were going to try to get their hands on this coveted device. I was really surprised by the length of the line at my GameStop, Mm -hmm. Uh, pretty much because I was surprised that there were that many people waiting for a Nintendo console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, um, March 3rd. Was... My what? expectations of the Switch launch compared to the Wii U launch were pretty much inverted. At the, at the Wii U launch, I was heavily anticipating, you know, be sold out for months, and, and I had to go there, like, at midnight get it, because I didn't have a pre-order for the Wii U. I waited outside by Kmart, like, for Kmart to open, and I... It, Everywhere I saw, pretty much, there was no lines for the Wii U at all. I was the only one going to Kmart for, for the Wii U, etc. And so I waited there for pretty much nothing. Um, and then, it, so I expected huge sellouts, and I didn't get any sales at any party, and no campers, etc. And that was weird. And then this launch, it was the complete opposite. I actually expected it to not be that big of a hype-up launch, because, you know, the Wii U. Of course not. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I uh, I didn't get a Wii U day one. I actually waited uh, about five months into the uh, 
the Wii U's lifespan before I decided to pick one up. Um, the Switch, like I said, that that January event hyped me up. It was really the birth of the Watch trailer. Got me super hyped to go ahead and go get one. And I was even more hyped um, <clears throat> to unbox the Switch. That's the thing, though. When the Wii U launched, I hadn't started the YouTube page and I hadn't started, you know, the podcast. Yeah. So my my expectations for the Wii U were just that of a fan. Uh, obviously, in the it's been two years since I started doing that, and this is my first console launch as you know a Nintendo podcaster and as mm-hmm. a Nintendo YouTube personality. My my. My aura had to be different for this specific console launch. I needed to make sure that I was immediately, you know, you know, able to get a switch. Yes. Uh, there was no if and or buts. I could not sit on the sidelines and just hope to get a Nintendo Switch uh, yeah. within a relatively, you know, short window. I had to secure it. And not only did I pre-order my Switch, you know, day one, I paid it off completely. I was like. Yeah, I'm just going to say goodbye to, you know, $300. But initially, all I did was buy the Switch and Birth of the Wild. Those were the only two things I pre-ordered. Uh, I got lucky. I actually bought three Nintendo Switches on day one. Uh, so the one from so, GameStop, one from Amazon, and what else? Uh, got one from Target for Mario After Party. So After Party didn't secure a pre-order for the Nintendo Switch, and uh, I had and you know, I had secured two, but you know, they were both spoken for. Uh, the the day that the Switch released, I ended up, you know, after getting home with my Switch, the first thing I had to do was film an, an unboxing of the Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. Which let me tell you, man, it's torture when all you want to do is open the game open in the car. You just want to open it and play the game. You just want to play mm-hmm. the game. You know, I wasn't even driving that night. My brother was driving that night. So I could have easily just opened up the box in the car and started playing, but no, I waited till I got to the house, unboxed it there, filmed it, uploaded the video, edited and uploaded the video before I got a chance to actually play my Switch. That's torture. By, by the time I finally did all of that, it was 3 a.m. So I got home at 12.45, from mm-hmm. 12.45 to 3 a.m. editing, you know, filming, editing, uploading. Then I got to go ahead and load the Switch up. And I was so excited to play the Switch, I didn't even go through the effort of connecting the dock to the TV. Mm-hmm. I went straight into, hand, straight into handheld mode, and I played until 6 a.m. Uh, then I had to take my fiancé to work. <laughs> so put the Switch on the charger, get in the car, and drive her to work. You know, mm-hmm. she, you know she worked at 8 uh, from so it takes her forever to get ready. So from six to eight is just you know helping her get ready for work. Uh, finally get her to her job. It's eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, okay, well, Target's open at eight. Let me just go to Target. Maybe I can get a Pro controller. Go to Target. Go to the video game section immediately. They have no Switch anything, and I was like, what the hell? Get to the front. I go to the you know the front counter. I'm like, hey, do you guys have any switch accessories? They're like, oh yeah, go to customer service. Hmm. Go to customer service. They've got switches. I'm like, hmm. 
But they don't have the pro controllers themselves. No, they have everything, man. Okay, okay. They've got they've got the Breath of the Wild amiibo. They've got pro controllers. They've got extra Joy-Cons, hmm. red and blue Joy-Cons. So I went there looking to just buy a pro controller, ended up leaving with an extra set of red and blue Joy-Cons, a pro controller. Called Mario after party. I'm like, I know he's at work. Uh but I know he didn't get a Switch. I know he wanted one. I was like, hey, I'm going to buy you a Switch. Call me back so we can talk about, you know, getting some money back down on this thing. So he calls me on his lunch break. He's like, yo, what's up? You found a Switch? I was like, yeah, I already bought it. If you want it, you know, just pay me, you know, what I paid and we're good to go. So secured three Switches on launch day, which was crazy. The worst part, though was my fiance had to wait. So she got off of work at five. Mm-hmm. Her switch had yet to be shipped. My brother lives um. my brother lives one street over. He literally lives one street over hmm. and he got his switch his second switch in the morning. We didn't get our second switch until eight PM so she was super heated. But the switch launch day was crazy. Breath of the Wild was amazing. And yeah, that was my Switch launch day. Just a lot of crazy things that ended with me buying three Nintendo Switches in one day. How did your Switch I I had a pre-order secured. And then like, come sometime in February, I'm like, eh, nah, I'm going to cancel the pre-order, blah, 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 and I'll just wait a a month or so. And it it was, I wanted one like day one. But it was more practical to wait. Um, and so, like, I got one. I got I canceled the pre-order. Um, and I, like, all my friends got them day one. And I'm like, okay, shoot. I, wanna, I might want to get one sooner now. <laughs> um, but it's all going to bum me out. Because, like, it was the first Nintendo console I bought in a while that I didn't get, like, quite on day one. I got, like, the 3DS um, day one. I got the Wii U day one. Um, um, the DSi fairly day one, I think. I don't know. But so it was the first one that I really wanted that I didn't get day one, which kind of bugged me too, because like, I had bragging rights that I got the Wii U or like day one, midnight, whatever. But I didn't have that with this. But uh, I managed to secure um, my Switch in, I think, April. Around Easter, I believe. I got my Switch, um, got Mario Kart 8, got Breath of the Wild, and I think Bomberman R. And that was... Uh, a good time. I really enjoyed it. I got Snake Pass to be on too. It's Dipper Clips, which were a lot of fun as well. So I didn't really have I didn't have a, a day one experience really, other than all my friends telling me how cool it is. I guess we got to talk about the elephant in the room uh, when it comes to the Switch, and uh, that's the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Uh, probably the best launch game any consumer could ever have for a console. Uh, you're not getting. A launch title of this caliber on you know your your Xbox One or your PS4. I'm not saying that those consoles have bad libraries because well, you know clearly the PlayStation 4 does not have a bad video game library. Uh, but we're talking about perfect launch titles. Those consoles have not had it, and for the most part, Nintendo's never really had a perfect launch title other than well since Mario 64. Uh, so. It was really, really nice to see this game get the critical reception that it deserves. So this game has a Metacritic score of 97 uh, based on 109 reviews, 
This is like the second highest rated game of all time. The only game that's rated higher than this is Ocarina of Time with a 98. Um, but it's also with less reviews total. So it yes. has higher averages of getting higher scores. Yeah. So Breath of the Wild, you know, IGN gave it a perfect score. Uh, GameSpot gave it a perfect score. Polygon gave it a perfect score. This game released two critical praise. And, man, it's, it was just such a strong launch title. And the ability to play it on the go if you bought the Nintendo Switch version is what what makes that game so good. Um, yes. Like I said, I didn't even connect the console, you know, the dock to the TV. Mm-hmm. When all was said and done, I played the first six hours of Breath of the Wild handheld. Six hours playing that game handheld, sitting in my living room. Nobody was home but me. And I'm sitting in my living room, playing Breath of the Wild handheld mode. It was only until I'm like, what time is it? And I look at the time, and I was like, holy crap. I've been playing for six hours this way. That's when I decided to you know, dock it. And... I, I honestly, that's where my the highest praise I have for this game. It's not the beautiful world. It's not you know the awesome mechanics. It's it's the portability of Breath of the Wild that 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 makes it such a good game in my opinion. Like I, and I, a lot of other people would agree with me as far as you know the reviews are concerned. Like there are a few challenges that are difficult because of you know handheld mode, like any mm-hmm. shrine that uses motion control. But for the most part, it is one of the best games to play hand. It, it might be the best handheld game on the Switch right now. So, um, for Breath of the Wild, I am I'm thoroughly blown away with it every single time um, I play it. And I've gone back, I've done a couple different runs. I did, like, by just going through it um, a- as I am. But then I'm like, okay, well, everyone does all this creative stuff online, so I'm going to just mess around and see what I can do creatively. So I did a run like that. Um, then I did, like, a challenge run, and then I did... Um, just like the DLC runs, etc., and it blows me away every single time you go through each run. And it's it's very different from from a lot of the games that I'm now playing with, like Mario Odyssey and um, and Xenoblade, in terms of how I get lost in the world in those games, um, which which I want to talk about sometime later, sometime, but not right now. But so I, I'm absolutely in love with it. Um, as you say, for a perfect launch title, having one of the highest rated games. In history, as an exclusive launch title, is definitely worth the critical claim of of perfect launch title. I think it doesn't. You're right. There are no Xbox or PlayStation games that have the highest rated game as a day one launch exclusive. That just doesn't happen with anywhere else. So that was very good for the Switch. Um, no, and you, you think about it, it's a launch title mm-hmm. for you know the you know their newest console that would eventually go on to win numerous game of the year awards mm-hmm. like that doesn't happen that no. just literally doesn't happen no. and honestly that was just the launch i mean if you think about mm-hmm. it if we go back to that january event and you think about what they announced at that january event obviously mario odyssey was like announced there mm-hmm. uh, and that was the first time we saw the platoon octopath i think bethesda had to say uh yeah yeah skyrim they announced, mm-hmm. you know, Skyrim, which, you know, 
even though I'm not a huge Skyrim fan, I, I understand like the longevity that that game has and the critical and commercial appeal that that game has and the ability to play games like that on the go. Like this, this was a perfect launch title in a year that we would eventually get a lot of other good games yes. from a lot of other different, you know, publishers, mm-hmm. not just Nintendo. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Nintendo had like the highlights of the year as far as, you know, what they put out on the, on the console. But I think mm-hmm. other developers put out some really fantastic games as well. And this was the best way to do this. Imagine in a world, imagine a world where one, two switch was the sole Nintendo launch title for this game i don't care what anybody says i really enjoy one two switch i love that game i have played that game with my fiance i played that game with mario after party i have played that game with my parents mm-hmm. i've played one two switch with my parents who you know who are in their you know early 60s my parents you know play those or yeah they played i've played one two switch with them like I don't care what anybody says about 1-2-Switch. I thoroughly enjoy that game. But imagine a world where 1-2-Switch was the only launch title for the Nintendo Switch. That's a scary world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bounce because you don't have the success of Zelda at your disposal. Yeah, definitely. No. Like, what, what Zelda did as a launch title was essentially build all the momentum. Mm-hmm. It's, it was the snowball effect. You know? Yeah. That was, that was the snowflake that touched the ground picked up some steam, rolled down the hill, and became a massive snowball. But but you have to imagine, like, it's not like it, it started small. It started with, like, a cannon fire, big, big-ass snowball. It did not start small. It started very big. And that's yeah. ideal in that snowball situation. You don't want to start small. You start big. And you get bigger. <laughs> well, and, and not just that, I mean, but then there was the whole, there was the whole nice thing about Breath of the Wild where if you couldn't upgrade to a Switch immediately, and it you wasn't already... Ready. Yeah, if you already had a Wii U, you could get it on the Wii U there. And I think the crazy thing was uh, about Breath of the Wild was the attach rate for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Switch essentially had one. I think they said it was like, it was like, I think it was like 102% attach rate. I'm like, wait, wait, that's more than Switch's sold. If there's 102% attach rate, the game the sold Switch. better than the console itself. Yeah. So people were buying the game in anticipation of the console. Like, okay, I can't get the console now, but I can at least secure my game. Or, you know, then it was, or, or you know, you could add in the people who bought the game and then the collector's edition to that mm-hmm. number two, which means they bought the game twice. Yes. So pe- people, the, the, the game outselling the console, you know, that is a crazy thought in and of itself. Like, yes. Breath of the Wild coming out for the Switch is almost a historical event for Nintendo. Mm-hmm, definitely. I don't think they're ever going to have a game with that high of an attach rate at the gate. Not like they did with mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild. You no. know, whenever they release the, the Switch to, you know, you know, four or five years from now, there's not... I mean, how can you do what you just did? How can you repeat that success? Because I don't think... I don't think that success is, you know, clonable. I don't think you can recreate that kind of success out of the door. I think that just happened, and you'll never see something like that again. But, I mean, who cares? It doesn't really matter. It happened, and it was a huge way to start off their brand-new console. Something else happened in March, two weeks after the release of the Switch. Splatoon 2 Test Fire. 
Mm -hmm. This was awesome. This was awesome. Uh, they had a test fire for this first Splatoon. Mm -hmm. And I think they did well. They actually had multiple test fires. They had one pre-release, and then they had a few, uh, you know, in the course of the Wii U's lifespan yes. to, you know, get people to jump on board with the game. Definitely, um, yes. This one was cool. Uh, I had so much fun in this test fire. I mean, it is just Turf War, but it was our first chance to play the sequel to one of the Wii U's best games. Also try to select Doolies. Yes, yes, the Doolies. But what, what was really hype about this for me was, you know, I have a couple of TVs, you know, at my place, but not enough docks. Mario mm -hmm. After Party came to the house uh, to play with, you know, my fiance and I. Mm -hmm. uh, even though there was no way we were getting in the same room, no. we all wanted to just be together to experience, you know, the test fire. Yes. But so he comes over to the house and, you know, obviously he gets connected to the Wi-Fi and we all start playing. But we have, you know, two, two consoles docked mm -hmm. and After Party is playing handheld mode. Right, and then I was like, "Let's switch because I want to play in the handheld mode." So he docked his console, I undocked mine, and I started playing in the handheld mode. And immediately, I was really impressed by how the game clicked in handheld mode. I was like, "And this is just the demo." Yeah. If the if the demo clicks this good in handheld mode, the whole game has to be really good. Again, it's also mentioned that's ways off from the initial Splatoon launch as well, and that yeah that good. Yeah, because that was in March, and Splatoon didn't launch until July? Yeah. Yeah, I think July. Sometime in summer, at least. Yeah, there was a three-month gap between mm -hmm. that test fire and, you know, the actual launch of the game. And mm -hmm. I was thoroughly impressed, and I, I had so much fun in that test fire. And again, it was another way to build hype for a Nintendo IP. It was a good way to keep, like, hype coming, especially since so many people bought a Nintendo Switch launch month. That had never bought a Wii U, you know. So they never played Splatoon. Exactly. So they, you know, this was a really nice way to get people on board with mm -hmm. one of their um, blooming IPs. So especially it was really when they're fresh with Breath of the Wild, still. Yes, uh, and honestly, it took me like two weeks to beat Breath of the Wild. Like I kind of plowed through that game, mm -hmm. uh, despite the fact that by the time I did beat the game, I already had 140 hours in it. Um, and I still did that in a two-week time span. Like, think about like the play sessions yeah. I was having. Yeah, like my like first ten a day, most days of the two yeah. weeks. Yes, honestly, I downloaded the Nintendo Switch parental app just to get an, just so I could get an accurate sense of my playtime with Breath of the Wild. My day one playtime was twelve hours. My day one playtime with Breath of the Wild was twelve hours. I was like, oh, oh no. my god, I have done nothing but this game. I was like. I need to go take a shower. <laughs> no, but yeah. So by the time the test fire got announced, I was actually ready to do something else on my Nintendo Switch. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really, really awesome that they did this test fire. And I'm a huge fan of Splatoon. So it was just, a, it was just a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun to do that, you know, with Mario After Party and my fiance together in the room and just, sit there and play that test fire. And it sucked it was only like an hour that first mm -hmm. day. But super happy that it was there. I mean, I think they did it for that weekend. So, yeah, you know, it was a lot of, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, so 
What about you? Did you what did you participate in that first test fire? I, I didn't get my switch to April, so I'm still I couldn't but I did um I went to my friend's house and I coached them. Because they they were like you said, they didn't own a Wii U, so they didn't play Splatoon that much in, in on the Wii U. So I was coaching them while they played pretty much. Um I didn't get to touch it like I played two matches at most probably. Um but I, I was a lot of fun, like similarly to how you were just playing in handheld mode and two you were docked, etc. It was sort of like a social gathering that was fun. And I had some more similar experiences with the other sort of test fires or test punches that went on with the later in the year with the, the Splatfest and the test punch for arms, which we'll touch on later, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and I guess the only other thing we can talk about for March was Switch shortages right after day one. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like to go back to the story I was telling earlier about how I actually found Mario After Party Switch... When I got to Target uh, to look for the, you know, the Pro Controller, that was my initial goal. Mm-hmm. Like, but I had literally got to Target 15 minutes after they opened. And yeah. all they had left were three Switches. And they had told me they got a good number in. They wouldn't tell me the specific number. They said mm-hmm. they had enough Switches to meet the demand of people waiting outside. Mm-hmm. So to see that they had three extras, I was like, Maybe maybe I should buy, you know, one for after party. Uh which I did. And in hindsight I was like, probably should have bought another one to, to resell. Oh, for it's sure. Good. Yeah. Nah, but you know, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. No, I want no, I would scalp, but then there's like I feel icky. Yeah, yeah. There's this the money's nice, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not I mean I've sold some stuff off. Like I've bought stuff with oh, the intent yeah, to sell it. Like, not not for a hundred dollars more or whatever than it's they bought it for. Part of me thought that this was like the manufactured shortage that Nintendo likes to do. Nintendo is notorious. Mm. Uh, if you read the book Console Wars, or if you read uh, some other literature uh, that covers uh, Nintendo's business practices, they Nintendo deliberately ha- make less to draw yes. hype. Well, it's not that they make less; it's that they ship less. Yeah, uh, I I think. I think the specific example in Castle Wars was that a you know a retailer would only get twenty five percent of their initial order. Hmm. Think about that. Let's say they order, you know, two hundred consoles, they only get twenty five percent of those two hundred. That's fifty. Yeah, you're only getting fifty consoles to nothing. to to meet the demand of thousands, yeah. million you know millions. Like Jeez. Nintendo has a habit of manufacturing. Uh, you know these uh, limited releases, and telling us that there are shortages. This was the one time where I didn't actually blame Nintendo for manufacturing a shortage. Mm-hmm. I I just don't think that the hype was accurately projected. Mm-hmm. I don't think they I don't think they had a true gauge on the the actual hype that there was for the release of this console. I think they underestimated what the Initial reveal trailer in October 2016 did, and the the uh, the events in January. I think they underestimated what those two what those two events did to the minds of the consumers. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of one of those weird things where it's like, ultimately, I view the Switch as a very powerful handheld more than I do a console. Uh, mm-hmm. Nintendo's never had an issue selling a handheld. The 3DS was the worst spot. They have ever been in when it comes to a handheld console release. That was the worst, and they turned that around mm-hmm. in the launch year. 
Like, yeah, yeah it, it, it launched poorly, in, mm-hmm. you know, immediately. And then price drop in August, Ocarina of Time. And Mario Kart and Mario mm-hmm. 3D World, all yes. within the launch year. Uh, had Kid Icarus been the launch title that it was supposed to be, I don't think it would have had the growing pains. Uh-uh, no. Be- because there would have been an, a really nice, strong game to, you know, mm-hmm. start with. Um, what was the strongest one at launch? Street Fighter, right? Street Fighter. Uh, yeah. And then Star Fox a couple months later. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a remake of a remake. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Nintendo handhelds, for the most part, haven't had issues selling. Now, we're, we're talking if, we, if we're talking about the Switch as purely a handheld, mm-hmm. we're talking from the 3DS to the Switch. Like comparing the Switch to a standard console is kind of it's kind of unfair. You can't really compare like the Switch to the Xbox uh, One or the PS4. No. Like if you're comparing it to those consoles, it is going to seem underpowered. Yeah, for sure. But if you're if you're comparing it to the Wii U and the 3DS, well then it is a significant improvement. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're comparing it to the 3DS, then it's a massive leap forward in handheld technology. By, by the 3DS standards, it's a massive leap forward. We're talking about a console that's putting out 720p max handheld mm-hmm. versus whatever the 3DS is outputting because of its... Or something. Yeah. So we're talking about a, a massive difference in what their handheld you know, you know, powers is going to be able to do. I was not surprised by the initial success of the Switch. I'm not surprised at the continued success of the Switch because, again, I primarily view the Switch as a handheld, and, you know, it's a handheld that can connect to your TV. Mm-hmm. It is not an issue for Nintendo to sell a handheld. Now, to, no. to sell as many as they have, you know, throughout the course of this year, and especially on launch day, that was a shock. You know, that was a shock to me, but I think it was a bigger shock to them because it's like, we didn't make enough of these things. We made a lot of these things based on, you know, Wii U numbers, but we didn't make enough of these things for a larger audience because we weren't sure the audience was going to be there. I totally do not blame Nintendo for the early Switch shortages. I I don't even know who to blame. I don't think you can blame anybody. I think it just happened. I think it's one of those things. Yeah, well, yeah. Wasn't really fair even to blame the Wii U, but it's the only thing that makes sense to blame because, you know, after just what a disaster <laughs> they ended up being, you know, it's just, we'd rather be safe than sorry this time, you know? Exactly. Uh, that being said, though, I, I did have the inkling that I would need to pre-order the console, that I would need to be a day one supporter of it, not just for the sake of my YouTube channel and this podcast, but for the sake of myself, a you know hardcore Nintendo fan. I mean, I could not imagine the 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 shortages that were going to happen. Just it just boggles my mind that this happened the way it happened, and it's because of the concept of the Switch. Mm-hmm. It's conceptually probably the best thing they could have done at Nintendo. Period. Like th- this mm-hmm. was the console that the the concept of this console has has dug them out of a huge hole. Yes. And and then the launch title, Breath of the Wild, has just really amplified just that overall success and turned it into 
like we like the analogy we described it. It's this huge snowball, snowball. rolling rolling down the hill. So mm. awesome start for you know the first you know three months for Nintendo. But what we're gonna do now, guys, is we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're gonna tackle April through June. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Nintendo Power Zone. It's your boy, Nice1983, and I'm joined by my co-host, Blues. Guys, your review continues. We are now in the month of April 2017. So, I guess we want to start off with something that I thought was pretty awesome news. And that's the fact that Donkey Kong and Pokemon Red and Blue were nominated into the video were nominated for the video game Hall of Fame. Uh, Huge deal. These are two big, big titles that uh, they changed the course of history. Uh, let's start with Donkey Kong. Um, Nintendo, back in the you know early '80s, was struggling to find their place in the arcade market. Uh, mm -hmm. Lots of video game companies were really successful uh, in those early '80s, late '70s, early '80s, and Nintendo wanted to enter into this medium. Uh, prior to that, they were a card manufacturer uh, who had a yeah Hanafuda cards, uh, and they had tried their hand at some other outside ventures, but they never really found uh, their stride with those outside ventures. Uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi, you know, the then president of Nintendo of Japan, he saw a market and he said, "I want in on this market. This is lucrative. Let's make some games." Hmm. They released a couple of games, but as the story goes, there was this game called Radar Scope uh, that they were really big on in Japan. So they, you know, basically set up house. You know, they set up a location in in New York, and they were like, "This is Nintendo of America." Uh, Minoru Arakawa, who was the son-of-law of Hiroshi Yamauchi, he was tasked with being the first president of Nintendo of America, and Yamauchi's goal was make our games a hit in America. He told that to, you know, uh, Arakawa, and it was Arakawa's goal. So he gets these radar scope games, and he's like, all right, well, I'll put them in some test markets to see how they do. Puts them at a bar, then him and his wife, you know, they check on it. You know, initially, radar scope seemed to be like a success. So mm -hmm. he orders some. A couple weeks later, goes back to the bar, machine's empty. Problem with Radar Scope was is that while it was fun to play initially, the replay value of Radar Scope was virtually non-existent. This put Arakawa into a panic. Calls up Japan and says this game isn't going to work. We need a new game ASAP. 
because I have 3,000 units of radar scope being shipped to America. We need a different game. So, Yamauchi basically says, we need a character. Starts this, like, internal contest at Nintendo Japan uh, to develop a new game based on radar scopes, you know, workings. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, young, young uh, graphic designer, Shigeru Miyamoto, has a story. Has a story. But he has the story with Popeye characters. That doesn't quite go to plan as Nintendo doesn't truly have the license to make a Popeye arcade game. So, what does Miyamoto do? He creates Miyamoto Mario and Donkey Kong. I need characters of my own. Donkey Kong, Mario, Pauline. Those are his only hope to turn Radar Scope into a legitimate arcade smash. They designed the game relatively quickly, him and Gunpei Yonkoi, Yokoi, mm-hmm. ship the new microchips or the whatever chips to America. All the American warehouse workers have to retrofit these cabinets with the new Donkey Kong. Put it in bars, put it in arcades, smash it. Smash hit Donkey Kong single-handedly save Nintendo's video game life. If Radar Scope had not been corrected, if they had not found a way to turn Radar Scope into something positive, mm-hmm. we would not have the Nintendo that we have now. We would not. I mean, they, I'm certain that they'd still be successful in other business ventures, they still manufacture Hanafuda cards. And they're still the number one manufacturer of Hanafuda cards in Japan. But we'd have a vastly different Nintendo Mm -hmm. had Donkey Kong not been the success that it was. Because of Donkey Kong, Nintendo shifted its focus from Hanafuda cards into video games. The creation of Donkey Kong and Mario literally changed the way that we perceive video games. It is honestly weird that there has been three years of a video game Hall of Fame, and it is only upon the third year that Donkey Kong gets a nomination mm-hmm. you yeah. know, for the Hall of Fame. So yeah, we're talking about a very historic game. We're talking about the game the, the, the characters in the game that would go on to save the video game video games as we know it. Because we all know that a couple years after the release of Donkey Kong, we had the video game market crash due to oversaturation and, you know, bad video games. And then come along the NES. Yes, with the... Market it as a toy, but with the best launch title, again, that you... <laughs> Nintendo launch titles... Uh, that you could possibly pack in, so Super Mario Brothers. But mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Donkey Kong, we wouldn't have Mario. If no. it wasn't for Donkey Kong, we wouldn't have the NES. If it wasn't for that game, the video game industry is dead in America. Oh, maybe not sure. complete. Maybe not completely no, it dead. Exist, but it wouldn't have gone as, as high as it has. Yes, exactly. Like this is a historic game. This changed the mm-hmm. course of the industry, and this made Nintendo mm-hmm. king. They put sure. them at the top. So they get the big nod. 
But that's not the only nod they get. Obviously, Pokemon Red and Blue mm-hmm. also get nominated into the Video Game Hall of Hall of Fame. Uh, and those games, again, not as historic, but changed the way that we view handheld game. Definitely, yes. To that point, I, I, I had a Game Boy launch year when I was a kid. I'm talking 1989. I had a Game Boy. The problem with the Game Boy is as awesome as it was, the Game Boy was kind of just a Tetris machine for a long, long time. Now, there were some pretty big releases on the Game Boy. I mean, we got uh, Link's Awakening, The Legend of Zelda. That's a fantastic game. We have the Wario Land series, uh, the, Mario, the Mario Land series. Those are also good games. But for the most part, I would, I would say that the Game Boy is a shovelware console. Lots of shovelware got released on the Game Boy, uh, and that's not really Nintendo's fault. Uh, that's just—it's just the way that you know other developers perceive making video games for the system. They—they they thought they couldn't make games that look good uh, because of the limited uh, graphics and color scheme that the Game Boy presented. So they made games uh, the way they were going to make them, and that's fine. And now comes Game Freak. A second part of the developer for Nintendo, and they they have this very ambitious game, one that gave the Game Boy like an extra five years of life. Oh, for sure. And one that single-handedly changed the way that we as people perceive handheld game. Mm-hmm. It took it took a, a genre like RPGs, mm-hmm. and it made them compact, easily accessible, fun to understand, but it also plays on human the human need to collect things mm-hmm. does it takes all those elements and it combines them split them up into two separate games so that there's this factor that you can't get them all if you only have one game so what you're going to need is a friend who mm-hmm. also has the or a sibling who who has the opposite game of you mm-hmm. and is willing to trade yes and thus we have a whole new way to game handheld, a more interactive way of playing handheld games. Because prior to that, I would you know, handheld gaming is primarily an individual experience. Yes, they took they took the individual experience out of out of handheld gaming and made it you know multiplayer fun. You could battle with your friends, you could trade with your friends, mm-hmm. and it spawned one of the most successful video game franchises of all time, mm-hmm. like. The Pokemon franchise is globally praised, and they mm-hmm. do huge numbers, and they're system sellers. These are games that can single-handedly move a handheld console. And mm-hmm. if we go even further, look at the massive success that Pokemon Go had in 2016. Mm-hmm. The Pokemon franchise is so core to Nintendo that I almost have trouble believing that they've allowed Game Freak to exist as a second-party developer. I find it I find it odd that Nintendo, who is one of the richest companies in all of Japan, has out has not outright made some like power play to do to like have some hostile takeover of Game Freak and just absorb them into the fold, bring them into like the you know the EAD like family. But they've allowed them to exist as a second party. And Pokemon Company International is sort of their their 
version of that. Um, yeah, but so even Pokemon, the po- Pokemon Company I'm- International is sort of like um, game allows Game Freak to not be Nintendo exclusive, but Pokemon to be Nintendo exclusive. So like, if Game Freak wanted to make Pokemon for for another company, they could, but then they don't have the rights to use Pikachu or Charizard. They don't have the rights to do those things. They have to create all new characters entirely. And so you can't make Pokemon without Pikachu and Charizard. So what what is it then? Sort of deal. Yeah. And there's other loopholes around that too, but it's it's complicated. Yeah. But, that's but it's still, I mean, I feel like Nintendo had an opportunity to just nip that in the bud. I mean, mm-hmm. the Pokemon company acting as a medium between the two, it's kind of a roundabout way of, you know, making a console exclusive title. Like it's just weird, but but hey, like I said, them getting nominated for the Video Game Hall of Fames, that is awesome. That's historic. That What that means is that original copies of these games, orig- like an original Donkey Kong arcade cabinet mm-hmm. and, and ori- original copies of Pokemon Red and Blue and you know an original Game Boy will be preserved at the museum for all of time. And what I love about this is I am... I am huge on video game preservation. Uh, I think it's something that you know we as gamers tend to overlook. Uh, but there is a lot of rich history in video games. Like a lot of people worked really hard to make these games, and it's honestly it's it's mind blowing to me that you would spend this much time to work. You sp- this is your life's work. You put your heart and your soul into making something, and to see things like. Transcripts, transcripts or design you know conceptual art or even you know the graph paper that they draw the grids on to see that get lost in the annals of time you know thrown into a trash can and you know sent out into like some you know dump somewhere or a landfill like that boggles my mind like we should want to preserve video games we should want to preserve all these all the design documents all the transcripts, all the you know the correspondence, all the things that go into making a video game, all of these things should be preserved. And with you know the video game Hall of Fame, what they're doing is they're doing their best to preserve, you know, the final products of these mm-hmm. things so that people can appreciate them and enjoy them, you know, long past you know the people who developed them and worked on them, long past you know us the people who played these games. These will be maintained in you know fully working order mm-hmm. until from now until the end of time they're going to be preserved for future people to see and hopefully they'll learn to build an appreciation for these original games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's it's actually really cool that somebody out there is going to be curating you know this museum's worth of these video games uh, and put them on display and preserve them yes. um, any thoughts on this I think you pretty much summed it all up. It's very cool that we're like preserving all of this, and you're right. It it is um things change, and, and it's hard to find some of these originals. Um, surprisingly, like, you'd think we'll just go on eBay. You could find it. It might be worth a fortune, but you could get it. But no, it, it's hard. Like it's not easy. And so I think that's very important that we're getting um, these taken care of while they're being preserved. And definitely, like the original. I don't want to say like the perfection in their pristine originalness but I, I don't know and i feel like i feel like it's very important and i feel like it's very good 
historical thing, um, as you already said. I do find it also surprising that three years into this existing, we're getting these games. I think they should have been in sooner as well. But other than well, that, I think you summed it up very nicely. The years prior, Sonic the Hedgehog was nominated and he got in. Mm. Uh, the original Super Mario Brothers game got uh, nominated, and mm. they uh, were that game was also preserved, as long, as well as an NES and a Sega Genesis, respectively. Yes. So that those mm -hmm. consoles could be. All right, moving forward, April twenty sixth through May twenty second, McDonald's uh, did a tie-in, a promotional tie-in with the Super Mario, and we mm -hmm. got our first Super Mario Happy Meal since the release of the original. Uh, Mario Kart 8, mm. and pretty good Happy Meal set. Uh, on top of that, what they they ran a they ran a uh, monthly promotion where you could win a Nintendo Switch uh, by ordering a uh, food and then texting the the code on the receipt to uh, McDonald's's little call center, and then yeah, you could win a Nintendo Switch with a copy of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was that was a really cool thing. Like it, what I like about this. This promotional tie-in is it's it's what it represents. Mm -hmm. It represents the uh, the shift in Nintendo uh, at starting from the end of the Wii U's lifespan into the beginning lifespan of the of the Switch. Is that Nintendo has been far more gracious with allowing their their intellectual property to appear in other mediums and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So obviously. We're getting a theme park at Universal Studios. Uh, we've had uh, a huge shift in designer clothing uh, mm -hmm. with Nintendo. Uh, Dancing for 21. Exactly. Yep. Uh, we also have the uh, Super Mario Brothers movie in the works mm -hmm. uh, at uh, Illumination. We're seeing uh, Nintendo just allowing their IP to exist outside of the games. In a lot of ways, so to see this happy meal promotion, say that again, and inside my breakfast bowl as well. Oh yeah, exactly. If you, you were able to copy uh, a box of Super Mario cereal, which I can happily report that I am one of the people who found a box. I found, you found a two. Box. You got one. There were two. I, I, there was one other. There were two, but I didn't want to be that guy, man. I'm not like, what am I gonna do? I don't like marshmallow cereal. You know, straight up, I do not like cereal with marshmallows in it. I only bought the box uh, because I wanted to get a box of Super Mario cereal because it's freaking Super Mario cereal, and that's another tie-in that we can go ahead and say is that obviously we does we exist in a world where there is now Super Mario cereal again. Mm -hmm. But regardless, I'm not going to be that guy that buys you know both of the two boxes on the shelf and deprive somebody else of a box. Oh yeah, for sure. There is that guy right behind you. Yeah. Who was gracious enough to let me actually film me grabbing, you know, the one box? Because I'm like sitting there impeding him. It's like, just let me do this real quick. I got a YouTube channel. But still, no, it was a like we exist in a world now where Nintendo has loosened the iron grip with their IP, and they're allowing their characters to exist in outside mediums. And to see them, you know, do a Happy Meal promotion. Happy Meal promotions are like the best. An easiest way to make people aware of your IP. I mean, mm -hmm. think about how, how many people eat at McDonald's a day. Millions. Mm -hmm. Millions. I'm talking millions with an M. Right? Maybe even more. On a daily basis, you're going to tie in 
some of the most popular characters in the existence of 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 hum of the human race, you know, you're gonna you're gonna do a tie-in with these beloved IPs. That is just brilliant marketing because it's it's almost free. It's almost mm -hmm. free. Especially and then you do a you know a console tie-in where like, hey, buy some food, text this number, you might win a switch. Well mm -hmm. guess what? There's a bunch of people who are gonna increase their fast food in, you know intake. They're gonna buy more fast food from McDonald's. McDonald's wins, Nintendo wins because they're selling more of these toys. And yeah, I actually got two whole sets of all these toys. They were they're actually pretty good toys too. I was surprised. I was like, these are pretty awesome. Like they all have like, you know, some kind of fun feature. Or like there's a light up Mario or there's another Mario that makes the jumping sound whenever you lift it off the ground. These are cool toys. That was a very cool tie-in. And it kind of just got me it, it it got people amped up because we all know that Mario Kart was coming at the end of the month. So mm -hmm. the Happy Meal started April 26th. Two days later, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Brilliant marketing. Mm -hmm. Just brilliant marketing because it's like, hey, if you love Nintendo, we got you covered. It, it's mutually beneficial. It's like Nintendo is selling McDonald's for McDonald's, and McDonald's is selling Nintendo for Nintendo, and no party really changes what they're doing too much. Exactly. They're, they're feeding off each other's success in a mutually beneficial way, and they're having their party do all the work with nothing really changing. Oh, yeah. Completely nice little symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. Two parties yeah. benefiting. Something else got announced in March. Uh, something that I literally thought was... Oh, I'm sorry, April. Something else happened in April. This was like... I thought this was like the world's latest April Fool's Day joke. Nintendo announced the 2DS XL. Mm -hmm. A clamshell version of the 2DS. Uh, one that's more in line with the standard 3DS. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a joke. I really thought it was a joke. And I'm like, what? What is the date? Oh, it's uh, it's uh, April twentieth. A little late. Kind of late. Kind of late for an April Fool's Day joke. Yeah. But they had a cool little trailer, announcement trailer, and yeah, they the console itself. The these are like the nicest versions of the uh, 2DS 3DS family. I like. They're they're nice. They're really sleek, and they're extraordinarily lightweight. And while you are losing the 3D function, I mean, this late into the 3DS's lifespan, the 3D function has worn its welcome. And yeah. even, I mean, when, even the Pokemon franchise has abandoned the 3D yeah. in the 3DS. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was really cool to see them try to eke out a little bit more life in their, uh, their, DS their 2DS, 3DS family. Uh, mm -hmm. Of consoles, and it's smart because even though the Switch has been a success thus far, I think it's safe to say that the 3DS is a much more established console, and mm -hmm. the, the the back catalog for it is extraordinarily well done. So it is the safer bet right now yeah. for for consumers, and they're mm -hmm. also easier to find than the uh, 3DS and the 2DS. So. There's that as well. Mm -hmm. Personally, I still really like my Galaxy 3DS more. I just like it more now. I don't know. So, not it's not perfect, but I do see the appeal of it. I do prefer my yeah. Galaxy 3DS, though. Just saying. 
No, I mean, and my brother who hasn't had a 3DS in a you know, he sold his 3DS uh, mm-hmm. when they announced the Switch. Literally, like, to like supplement the cost of the Switch. Mm-hmm. They announced the 2DS XL. He got right back on board and he bought one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because the the library is so strong for the for the for the 3DS. Definitely yes. So many great games. Like I I think about the catalog of the games and I and I see you know. Obviously, Mario 3D Land, Mario Kart 7, The Legend of Zelda, uh, A Link Between Worlds, between worlds which, Majora's Mask. Yeah, there's just so many really good games on that console. That it, yeah, it's criminal That's to good. not have a, a, a 2DS or a 3DS. Yeah. Like, if you're a Nintendo fan, like, it's a must-have console. Mm-hmm, for sure. And like I said, I just think it's smart that Nintendo is trying to eke out whatever little bit of life they can out of the system. Mm-hmm. All right, so the last little piece of news we have for April 2017 was that the NES Classic was officially discontinued. Uh, now, Nintendo put out a report by Reggie who basically stated that the NES Classic wasn't supposed to be a long-term uh, product for Nintendo. Uh, mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a limited release, and that they actually increased the numbers of NES classics made um, because the demand was so high. Yes. Uh, to be fair, that's kind of a BS statement, and we know why it was a BS statement now, uh, and we speculated why they would be discontinuing this this console that was m- massively popular during the holiday season of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they gave it a total... BS response, um, and they never actually really met the demand for the NES Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, n- very, very weird. Uh, and the the whole meme that Nintendo hates money started to pop up uh, around the time that they announced the uh, Classic uh, was discontinued. The worst part was was that uh, a couple months later, I was, you know watching TV mm-hmm. and working at my computer yes. and I get a treasure truck update from Amazon saying that they have a truckload of NES classics and I'm thinking to myself wait a minute do you know the struggle I went through to get an NES classic I got one and it was I had to have a network of people to get one like I had after party looking for me, I had my parents looking for me, I had my brother, my fiance, my sister in law. I had like a network of people trying to find me an NES classic. And Amazon just had a truckload just sitting there somewhere doing 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 what? So yeah. I mean yeah, it was it was a it was a weird discontinu- discontinuation of a product and I just the mentality of Nintendo when they're when they're having such a good year to discontinue a popular product where the demand has yet to be met. Mm-hmm. Our, our decision making by Nintendo, at least initially. Yes, definitely. All right, so that'll do it for uh, April. Any any thoughts on April as a whole? It was definitely a weirder month, but also a good and bad month. I mean, I guess none of it was really bad. But it was definitely weird with the 2DS, um, the 2DS XL, and the NES minis. Um, but, you know, Donkey Kong and Pokemon getting nominated is great. Um, McDonald's selling Switch 
inside Nintendo and vice versa for Nintendo um, was definitely cool. I think it wasn't a good month, it wasn't a bad month. There wasn't too much like happening of like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe releasing at the end of the month. Um, that's when I got my Switch finally. Um, so there's that for me personally, but I mean, there's not really that much, but it wasn't good, it wasn't bad. It was a mix of both, give or take. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was kind of a weird month, but I mean, they were really kind of getting by April through like the continued success of Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. uh, and Switches were trickling out little by little mm -hmm. during the month of April. And obviously, I got Mario Kart, surprisingly. Yeah, Mario Kart 8 being like the, the core release that month, mm -hmm. which, you know, very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and once again, like Splatoon, not many people played the Wii U, so they didn't get to experience the original version of 8. So it works out for a lot of those consumers as well. Exactly. So moving on into May, May was May was a quiet month. So the core title release in May was a uh, Ultra Street Fighter Two. Yeah, uh, I picked up that game day one. Uh, I, I'm mm -hmm. a huge Street Fighter fan. I'm a huge fighting game fan, uh, and Street Fighter Two to this day remains my favorite fighting game of all time. So it was nice to be able to pick up like the latest version of that, uh, even though. You know, the game is somewhat broken with the addition of, like, Violent Ken. It's still yeah. a really, really fun game, and I really would like Capcom to build a tournament scene around it because, I mean, it's, it's honestly, in my opinion, it's the best version of Street Fighter 2. Um, so, and it's just a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, the meta would be dominated by a lot of Violent Kens, but uh, the way Violent Ken fights, it would be a bunch of awesome... Uh, uh, what they call ditto matches between uh, Violent Ken versus Violent Ken. Uh, the other major thing to happen was the ARMS Global Test Punch was in May. Uh, this was a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. this was like a month-long celebration. They, they did a couple of test punches for ARMS. Uh, the first one was so successful that they actually added Twintel to the second test punch. Uh, which was cool because she wasn't initially part of the the uh, the test punch lineup, no. but after they debuted her in the direct that also happened the month of May, they added her to the game. Like the fan reception for Twintel upon her, you know, her unveiling was really high. People loved Twintel and people loved this. I think this was it. This was the moment where people got what Arms was, like. Upon initially seeing it back in Jan the January uh, Switch event, like I said, I was more excited about 1-2-Switch than I was about ARMS. To see ARMS and play ARMS, I was immediately pulled in. I was like, this is awesome. And I love the character of Ninjaro. This is one of my favorite video game characters of all time. But on top of that, while playing it, I you realize how great the character designs and stuff for arms was like arms mm -hmm. hands down has the best character design since street fighter 2 just a great great game and that was another really awesome way to showcase a game you you make it playable for a few for a few days over the course of a month i like the, the game instantly clicked with me playing this test fire and i had so much fun i i mean and all that was available was the party mode. Like, it, you weren't even playing, like, the arcade mode or, like, Grand the ranked mode. Or other online yeah. modes, yeah. You're just playing the the party mode, 
mm-hmm. which you know it's like a mixed bag of like one minute you could be basketball yeah. and fighting. Yeah, no idea what you were gonna get. No. But it was still it, it was so much fun that I was like, I need this game day one. Mm-hmm. And obviously ARMS is my fighting game of twenty seventeen and it's like I love that game. And that's in a year where a Street Fighter game and Pokemon Tournament DX got released. ARMS is my favorite fighting game of twenty seventeen. It's and it's all because of this global test punch. The global test punch really changed like my opinion of this game. Just turned me all around. Thoughts on the global test punch? Um, the global test punch was honestly one of the highlights of my whole year. <laughs> um, so it was like, cause I, I never doubted ARMS for a second. And everyone sort of made fun of it. And then my over-enthusiastic love for ARMS, when like they announced it at the, at the January event, etc., and I'm like, no, this is this is gonna be great, and I'm gonna show you guys. I'm gonna throw a test punch party, and I did. So it was like, it wasn't that big because not many people could make it. But then like, I had two switch setups, one for my, me, one for my friend, and our two different TVs, and we had three people per switch. Um, and so we got um three people on mine, three people on the other one, and we'd always rotate. So we'd play the two player party mode in um test punch. And so we got two people, and then we swap every sort of round, and we'd rotate controllers. And it was very fun. We loved it. We, my friends really got into it, and I was really happy that they finally saw what I saw. I played Ribbon Girl for the whole entire test punch. Um, I, I absolutely love Ribbon Girl. Despite not playing here anymore, I want to play Ribbon Girl. But Spring Man's just... He's just so much more... more I don't say... For me, he... And I guess a lot of other people, he's a very popular, dominating character. But I just clicked with him more at the end of the day. And I played um, Ribbon Girl for the whole thing. Um, and I absolutely loved her. Um, so it was very fun being able to, to get around with these six people, playing um, ARMS every single like hour that it was up. We, we, like, we had the schedule. Then also, like, I, I leave my girlfriend at the time's house, like, okay, but I got, I got to go to my friend's house so we can strap the, the setups for ARMS test punch it a bit <laughs> it was it was stupid but we we would set that up and it was just so fun i loved it the game game was great um i made sure like you said i made sure to pre-order it afterwards um because i don't know why i didn't pre-order it before because i absolutely knew i wanted it but i didn't pre-order it until after that and i pre-ordered it at, like three different stores and then i eventually <laughs> went with one of them because <laughs> it was like i i was leaving for my sister's grad party like the day it came out the day before it came out or something and so i couldn't get it if on the pre-order day so i'm like okay what's gonna happen is i'm gonna pre-order it but i'm gonna have my girlfriend at the time pick it up but then i'm like okay well she's busy so i'm gonna have her brother who's picking up a copy of the game already pick it up with when he picks up his but that means i need to go to a different game stop so that he doesn't drive to two different game stops in the same day and then like i eventually like, thought of something else and then i did that and i'm like okay well screw all this i'll just download it off the game shop and that's what i did <laughs> Awesome, and I my thumbs and arms are like tired and sore for like the whole time I was at my sister's grad graduation from college because like <laughs> I I did not sleep I did not it's just arms and my arms got so tired my thumbs got tired and like sore like sore for like three days straight my thumbs after using pro controllers and stuff it was awful but yeah no but that's pretty much it for May though man like I thought May was another. Weirdly, it was for 
for what could be perceived as a slow, like major title release month for mm-hmm. for uh, that month, it honestly I thought it, the, just the inclusion of the test fire that month mm-hmm. makes you know the month of May like a success in my opinion. So I, I would like to mention before we move on from May, you mentioned that the big game for you was um, Street Fighter Two. Mm-hmm. For me, like as as I like fighting games, don't get me wrong, but I'm more of a fan of of RPGs, and so Disgaea Five Complete, I believe, came out in May, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I think so, it did as well. And that's what I spent my that was my big flagship for that month. And I feel like it was sort of interesting how it is just the two audiences got two kind of different flagships, minor flagships that month. So for me, I went the Disgaea Five Complete route. Yeah, yeah. So May May was actually you know a pretty full month in my opinion, mm-hmm. but uh, not as big as uh, this next month we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. June 2016. June yes. um, 2017, my bad. Well, yeah, yeah. June Last 2017. June 2017, what can I say? Well, let's start things off uh, where, uh, you know, Nintendo did. Mm-hmm. They had a direct, uh, a Pokemon-specific direct, and right. uh, they they announced at the, in this direct Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, uh, the basically... Would amount to remix versions of Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they unveiled a new form for Solgaleo, new form for Lunala. Well, That's technically, the, those are both those are both Necrosma's form. Necrosma, yeah. And we see something. Necrosma. Yeah. You know, we we see all this cool stuff, and you mm-hmm. know, they t- they tell us that it's it's a different version of what we mm-hmm. of the events that happen. And I'm a huge Pokemon fan, so I was actually pretty hype about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Plus, I love the Alola region. Uh, like, despite that game, you know, being probably you know not one of the harder Pokemon games, probably no. probably on the weaker scale as far as when it comes to like difficulty. Yes. I I did enjoy Sun and Moon. I did enjoy Sun and Moon, but more for yeah. the region itself because the region felt alive uh, more than you know Kalos did or uh, or even Unova. Uh, I still like, feel just, like Kalos more personally. Yeah, I just felt like the reason felt alive to me. Like maybe like some of the characters were cheesy, but it was like the environment. Like moving my character through the region felt like that region was alive. Uh, but they also announced Pokemon Tournament DX. Uh, mm-hmm. Pokemon Tournament was a a smash hit on a very poor selling console. It wasn't even a smash week. hit. Is the weird part? It, it sold decently, but then it like dropped off. Yeah, like it, yeah. But it, it, Pokemon Tournament is a it's really a game. it's a strong, competent fighting game that takes mm-hmm. like the core tenets of fighting games mm-hmm. and finding a Pokemon and you know you know building Pokemon around it. It takes mm-hmm. all the good things that you sh- that you love about fighting games, adds a Pokemon skin to it, adds some unique gameplay elements elements, and it lowers the curve, the learning curve. Mm-hmm. Like. It takes Definitely. all that and it put and presents it in this very nice package. Like yes. Pokemon themselves have never looked better than they do in Pokemon Tournament. No. Like the characters that they added in, you know, into the that they chose to be fighters in that game, all are they're all very unique. Like when you see like a Suicune in a fighting game, my 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 major thought process was when they first announced Pokemon for the Wii was like, how do you fight with a character like Suicune? <laughs> And then mm-hmm. you realize that it's a majorly projectile-based character, mm-hmm. and whereas Pikachu is like, you know, Close he's kind of ag- speed yeah, yeah, he's like he's like aggro, 
and he, you know he has his projectiles and he has like the close combat and he has all these different elements and each Pokemon is unique and you take like you know Machamp and Machamp is a straight a straight powerhouse brawler mm-hmm. but his projectile game is like the weakest yes like he mm-hmm. ha- he has a projectile but the distance that it travels the speed and, you know, and the lag etc yeah mm-hmm. like he, like it's a very well thought out fighting game brought to you mm-hmm. by the people who make be like the Naruto fighting games and the Tekken team mm-hmm. it's a really strong competent fighting game um yes. And it had an early success, but it petered off. But and I, and I honestly think that was part of you know the console that it was initially launched on. Probably and yes. Sold better on the Switch, but mm-hmm. again, Nintendo needs to do a better job of building the community for this game. And I, yes. I believe they will because they're making this really hard, strong push into like the esports, you know, into esports. So I think Pokemon Tournament will become a core title for them when it comes to esports. I, mm-hmm. it's just gonna, it's, I feel like they just need to kind of push that further along the big problem with that is just that like it's at worlds and it has a grand grand world's tournament but it's not any of the other events no regionals no anything or even the smaller play pokemon clubs like i host my own play pokemon club and i have pokemon tournament for the wii and dx for the switch there but it's not like official thing that we put on we put that on because we want to um it it doesn't get recognition otherwise it's different for me because I live in Florida and we have the annual CEO uh, mm-hmm. event, the, yes. the community event, Orlando, which mm-hmm. all the proceeds go to, you know, the majority of the proceeds go to charity. Yes. Um, that is a qualifying event for Pokemon Worlds. They do, like the Pokemon Tournament event that they have there mm-hmm. has been a qualifier for Pokemon Worlds twice. Um, and then Evo was also the, in twenty. 20- Evo 2016 was a qualifying event there as well. But those aren't like monthly or weekly get-togethers like the Pokemon exactly. clubs are, which would be great. Like, there's no season for Pokemon. There's Evo and CEO and Worlds itself. And that's the season. Yeah, yeah they need to do a better job of, of integrating Pokemon into the already established, you know, VGC Pokemon. VCG, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if they do that, if they if they if they figure, you know, it, it's not hard for them because they already have the ground rules. Yes. In play. They just need to apply them into Pokemon. For sure. Yes. All right. So, next major piece of news in June was that the Super World, Super Nintendo World trailer uh, was unveiled, and yeah, that basically took it basically took the concept art that we saw in December of 2016 put it into a 3D space, and we got a virtual simulation of what the park is going to look like. And I damn near cried when I saw this trailer. Uh, Just because, like, my goal has always been to build a game room that is a mini Mushroom Kingdom. Like, that's why you see things like the chain chop light in the background. You, You see that light back there. You see... You see all these things Cat that I immerse. Yeah, you see these things that I immerse myself in, and that's just me trying to do it. But this is Nintendo saying we're making this theme park a reality with Universal Studios, and there's going to be some groundbreaking shit here. And mm-hmm. you know, if the leaked like concept art that I've seen uh, and specifications for some of these rides are legit, 
this is going to be an amazing theme park. But that trailer, that mm-hmm. that trailer was great. And then they also had the groundbreaking ceremony, which is also available on YouTube. Now it is primarily in Japanese, but um the uh the head of Universal Studios theme park is also there and he speaks English, so all the major news that's going to come out of that groundbreaking ceremony was was said by him. And that's all in English. So you can watch all of that and it was a pretty cool groundbreaking ceremony. <clears throat> yes. But it's confirmation that this theme park is not just a pipe dream. It's mm-hmm. it's a reality and it's coming. And to see that trailer just just the sheer joy that I felt. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. So the big news of June. E three, correct? E three, yep. E three. So much stuff at E three this year. I mean, the headliner was Odyssey, so let's start there, right? Yeah, I mean that's where we got to see so much stuff from Nintendo. Um, basically, we we got to see you know the T the Cascade Kingdom and and New Donkey City in action a lot uh, at E three. They Especially New Donk. They wanted New New Donk was like the priority of mm-hmm. uh, of of their E three showcasing because yes, their show floor was New Donk City. They yes. built New Donk City in their show floor. They had they had a Sherm uh, that had been captured by Mario in the in the mm-hmm. place. They had buildings. They had a uh, Goombas, you know, stack Goombas with Mario on top. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had you know they had a a, a scale version of the Odyssey with Mario on top of it and, you know, holding, you know, spinning Cappy on his finger. Like, New Donk, they wanted to showcase New Donk really hard. And they also wanted to, like, really showcase uh, Jump Up Superstar. Mm-hmm. They, they, they spent so much time highlighting that song. <clears throat> it was in between all the uh, commercial... Whenever they broke, they're mm-hmm. playing Jump Up Superstar in the in in the background, you just—they just spent so much time showcasing New Donk and just teasing that Pauline scene in New Donk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I know that they like and cut commercials for the Treehouse Live. They would play that song uh, definitely. Um, and I almost—I don't quite remember, but I almost want to say they had like team of people like dressed as New Dog citizens that would like do it do the dance to like they'd start dancing at the commercial break. Uh, in the show floor itself, which looked pretty cool. Yeah, and it, but... and it wasn't just you know, it it would just they didn't just show that off. They showed off mm-hmm. so much more of the game. Like we saw, we saw the Lost Woods for the first time. Mm-hmm. We saw we saw um, a bit more of Toast Arena, correct? Toast Arena, the Cascade Kingdom, also because mm-hmm. we got to see the T Rex for the like in yeah. action. We got to see so much of that game. And I kind of wish they had held off on some of those things they showed. Oh, for sure, yeah. Whatever. Like, it, it was mm-hmm. New Dawn. Um, yeah. I mean, Super Mario Odyssey, an amazing game. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that they, they really dedicated their, uh, their show floor time to, to that a lot. Uh, wait, what else did we get at E3? Uh, we got that, I guess it was a direct. I don't know what they want to call it this year but in that direct we got to see a little bit of uh we got to see the new yoshi title mm-hmm. we got to see the new kirby title uh both of them don't have specific titles as of yet uh, i do i do want to say that i thought yoshi looked really really clean mm-hmm. um 
We got, we got to see Xenoblade. And uh, Fire Emblem as well. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're like going really hardcore. We got to see uh, the, the champion amiibo for Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Which some of the best looking amiibo uh, that they've designed. Uh, we got Rocket League yes. announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which I'm very happy with the, that we have Rocket League and things like that on the Switch now. Yeah, uh, to shift away from Nintendo's press conference, uh, Bethesda announced uh, Doom. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, for the did. Switch, uh, and uh, that was a big one. Yeah, I mean, while Doom is not like a new game uh, mm-hmm. at this no. point, it's Doom coming to the Nintendo Switch. So that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, did they? Uh, I, I believe they announced Wolfenstein Two there as well, or could I have, think that so, might have been? But I'm not quite sure if that was at E3. I know they had no, that was together a... for something. I think that was a September event. I was getting things I think maybe. No, but they did announce Doom at, at mm-hmm. E3. Uh, obviously, they showed off Skyrim. Uh, yes. Moving away from Bethesda, Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Mario Rabbids. Started their press conference with Mario Rabbids. Mm-hmm. Like, they were so confident in, in what they had created that they decided to highlight their press conference, to begin their press conference by showing Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom out. Mm-hmm. And we all knew about this game going into E3. We knew yes. this game was a reality because of all the leaked conceptual art yeah. and the leaked key art that came out that had like what the characters' roles were within the you know the, the you know the course of the game. We all were really highly skeptical. I don't know a person on the planet that didn't think this was a good idea. This was a horrible idea to everybody except the people who were making this game. Mm-hmm. Everybody talked shit about it. We nobody wanted this game until we saw it. The moment we saw this game, it clicked. Mm-hmm. That that trailer that they they showed off, the gameplay that they showed off, everybody's mind just just exploded. Uh, it was XCOM. It was XCOM with Mario characters and rabbits. And it, it just worked in all the right ways <laughs> when it shouldn't have. And Mm-mm. it really just kicked the year off, man. Like, it, well, yeah. I mean, for, like that was it. That was, like, our first, like, real major third-party title that was coming to the Switch. And it looked great. It looked good. Like, graphically, what mm-hmm. they showed off at E3 just looked amazing. I mean, I was just excited. I was on board. Again, mm-hmm. After their event, I pre-ordered Mario Plus Rabbids the Collector's Edition. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it just looks so good. And then that moment where, you know, Miyamoto walks on stage and he's got the blaster on his hand. And he calls out to Davide Soliani, you know, the director of the game. And there's that beautiful moment where, you know, Davide just cries out of, like, the sheer joy. That's, that is one of my... E3 moments that I'm never going to forget was the moment mm-hmm. where Davide Soliani gets like recognized by his idol Miyamoto and he just breaks down into tears and he's just overly happy. It was like one of the again that is my highlight of E3 2017 was that was watching Davide Soliani have his moment. So I thought that was like really cool. They announced uh another game for the Switch as well. Uh one that uses NFC um, Starlink Battle for Atlas, right? Yes, Starlink Battle for Atlas, which mm, is a multi-plat. 
that's a multi-platform game from mm-hmm. Ubisoft. That's going to be coming out for the Xbox One and the PS4 as well. Mm-hmm. The Nintendo Switch getting core, you know, third-party titles like that. Mm-hmm. That that was another great announcement. And on top of that, they told us about the uh, first DLC uh, pack that mm-hmm. we're getting, uh, th- and that was the Master Trial. Uh, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about the Master Trials other than that I think that a lot of that stuff shouldn't have been paid for DLC. That DLC, the DLC pack one, just kind of left me underwhelmed. Like the the Master Trials was cool, as far as like you know the Trial of the Sword. I, mm-hmm. I think that was pretty much the highlight of the content. But then Master Mode, oh for sure, uh, was was something that we've had in other Zelda games, and it wasn't DLC. So I just. Uh, I just feel, I feel some type of way about DLC Pack One uh, to this day. It just, I don't want to talk bad about it, but I, I did not enjoy DLC Pack One, and I honestly didn't even play it until recently. Uh, I waited for DLC Pack Two before I even immersed myself in any of what what a DLC Pack One had to offer. I was just very underwhelmed by it. Uh, outside of that, I think. We, the two big announcements, three big announcements uh, from Nintendo's E3 presentation were obviously that Pokemon would be moving to the Switch uh, mm-hmm. for its next console, itera- for its next iteration, uh, that they were done with the 3DS after Sun and- Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, mm-hmm. and they were shifting to the Switch. So hopefully we'll hear something about that soon. They showed off nothing. It was just mm-hmm. an announcement from uh, Ishihara-san. Uh, Metroid Prime 4. Yes. Was the... The big highlight, I guess, for, mm. for a lot of people, even though all they showed off was the number four. And a confirmation that's in development, though. But, exactly. Yeah. And it was very, uh, very non-subtle way to say, hey, we're working on this game. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to show you diddly squat about it. Just We're just going to get you hyped for it with, with no other indication. And I then mean- we got... Go ahead. They did a similar thing with, with Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS. It's like, they got Sakurai on stage, and they're like, so I haven't even started this game yet, but I can tell you it's coming. <laughs> I don't. It's, it's yeah. confirmed. I'm working on it. It's happening. But uh, you're going to have to wait, because I have not started at all. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where at least that we know we are getting this game, and that's super exciting. Like, who didn't want another Smash Bros. game? Who doesn't exactly. want to do Smash Metroid Prime 4. So it, it's just that recognition that, like, it's happening. And we, we can have look forward to it. It's a ways away, but it's happening finally. You know? Yes, yeah, like, we, we know you want it, and we're working on it. Mm-hmm. And that's all you need. That's all you need. Exactly. Really for a long time. Exactly. And then the other title that was announced, the other big title, since we're, you know, we're already on the Metroid hype train right now, is uh, Metroid Pride, uh, Samus Returns. Was mm-hmm. announced, uh, but not even during the event. It was mm-hmm. the first thing they showed during their Treehouse yes. Live, mm-hmm. and yeah, man, I just got so excited. I was like, okay, Metroid: Samus Returns or Return mm-hmm. of Samus, as it, as it was yeah. was originally called for the Game Boy, was one of the better Game Boy games in the, in the Game Boy's library early on. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool that there was going to be this full 3DS remake with you know updated graphics, new battle mechanics, and 
yeah, just a nice way to like build off of that Metroid Prime Four hype. Mm-hmm, definitely. Like, we showed you Metroid Prime Four, but here's a Metroid game that you can have this year. This year. This year. So very cool E3 from Nintendo. I thought this was one of their better E3s. Uh, it definitely mm-hmm. makes it E3 2016. I'm sorry, 2015, which was Lackbuster. And E3 2016 was pretty much uh, like Zelda Fest. But still, so, that was better than the well, people put out. <laughs> Even though it's just one game in Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. They didn't show off much in 2016. No. But, but Breath of the Wild was, I mean, the highlight of... Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like it was the highlight by its own, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even the Switch version of Breath of the Wild. No. It was the Wii U version mm-hmm. with functions that are no that were no longer in the final product. Well, what uh, was, like, was in the final product? Yeah, but the touchscreen stuff that they had okay, at yeah, e- yeah. at E3 ended up being like completely scrapped in because of the transition of from development from the Wii U to the Wii uh, to the Switch. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So, also in June, after E3, ARMS comes out two days after E3 ends. So, mm-hmm. we all got into that. They, that had, the they had the tournament for Pokémon in ARMS. Um, oh, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. They had the Pokémon, Splatoon tournament, and ARMS tournament at mm-hmm. E3, where we crowned our first ARMS champion. Um, uh, Zerk, right? Zerk, well, yep. Mr. Hibuki, really. But um, Zerk um, won the Zerk. actual out of the contestants. Yeah. yeah, Zerk won the tournament, and... In, in, in a pretty dominant fashion, I don't yes. think Zerk was truly challenged by anybody at the tournament. His twin tail skills early on, really, I think, I think what Zerk did at that tournament really shifted what where the meta has gone uh, for Arms. Because if we if we look at who is top tier, twin tail mm-hmm. sits atop that list and. It's because Zerk really anymore after the after the patch notes. No, not yeah. as much. But, not as much, but for the like yeah. the early going of arms, Twintel really dominated the, the meta in, in the first couple months of its release. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because Zerk showcased what the character was capable of, uh, mm-hmm. with with her basic arm set. Yes. And uh he did great. I mean he did mm-hmm. great. He won that awesome belt. Uh as far as Splatoon 2 is concerned, America beating Japan and like the craziest final grand finals of all time, where like oh, for sure. they were down like two nothing, and one more game sends them home, and you know as runner up, and they come back to just you know streak the Japanese team in in this great moment. Uh, Pokemon tournament was a little bit of was like out of all the games that they showcased, it was the the most understated, but it still had a good tournament, and uh, mm-hmm. we got to see Alistair Smythe won, I believe, right? Yeah, and uh, we got to see Crow Gunk in action for the first mm-hmm. time, and man, Crow Gunk is a beast. We also saw Empoleon. I think um, Matt picked Empoleon. Correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other contestants uh, picked um, Scizor and Darkrai as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like Nintendo's E3. Uh, showcasing was pretty phenomenal because they utilized uh, like their IP so smart, mm-hmm, uh, so brilliantly. Like those tournaments really made E3 for me. They they were like great moments. I was like, wow, this is not your typical E3 show from Nintendo. 
none of the other companies even come close to doing what Nintendo did with uh, this. I think the closest thing you can say is that uh, PlayStation X and the Capcom Cup uh, coinciding with one another yeah. are the closest thing. But, I mean, those are two separate companies doing an event together. This, yeah, what, what Nintendo did in all three was all Nintendo. And then they had some really great commentary. Yeah. Uh, from like D1 and uh and uh some Nintendo staffers. Yes. They, they all did really really good. I mean, like those those tournaments were epic. I almost forgot about them, but they were really epic. Uh and just really good ways to highlight games that are up and coming. Mm-hmm. So, we got that. And I guess the last piece of news for June is that the Super NES Classic Edition was announced two weeks after E3. Uh, Mm -hmm. This was an odd choice because this was something they could have announced at E3 and it wouldn't have taken anything away from the the show. I I think maybe they didn't want to get lost in any of the Switch news or the 3DS news that was happening, but they announced the Super NES Classic and with that, Star Fox 2 was getting an official release. Release, finally, yeah. After, you know, 20, 20 years, you know, lost in time like a game that was lost in the annals of time finding life on what's essentially a an emulator system Mm -hmm. and now it's an officially licensed emulator system Mm -hmm. so that's what it is emulation it's playing the game yeah it's like they're really they like this is this was a a, like a, a a marquee moment where we're getting this lost game and even if it's not good, it doesn't matter. This is your leg- your only legit way to play this classic game. Mm-hmm. So that to me was like a must-have. And then they learned from the mistake of the NES Classic and actually had pre-orders for this system. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, pre-orders for this system still a bitch. Yeah, but you could get a pre-order for the system. Yes. And the trailer for it was was really cool where like mm-hmm. guy like dumps like all the super nes cartridges into the machine and then it's very nice out, com- out comes out yeah exactly and uh, what i love about the commercial is that they use like both of the slogans for the super nintendo so mm-hmm. they did now you're playing with power superpower but they also said play it loud which was like their big like campaign like in the you know mid to late 90s in mm-hmm. order to like recapture market share uh, during the console wars of, of that era. Yes. Just a very awesome commercial. It got me hyped for the system. And, I mean, I would have gotten it regardless, but that commercial just built up a lot of hype, in my opinion, for me. And uh, awesome, awesome system. All right. But, guys, we're going to go ahead and we're going to wrap part one of our year review up. Part two will be coming out same day, same time. Uh, But we're going to take a 10-minute commercial break, and we're going to come back with part two, which will get us through the remainder of the year. So, guys, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.